Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. I think I've seen people and the way that behave, and I'm thinking, I don't want to be like yeah. that or behave in that way. And I think those bad experiences have resonated with me more and probably some of the good experiences just to make sure I do not fall into those traits. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Nick Cowley. Nick's the CEO of Modular Group Investments, a fast-growing and innovative group of businesses within the UK offsite and modular manufacturing sectors. With over 20 years' experience in the manufacturing and construction industry across the UK, Europe and the Middle East, Nick joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Nick. It's really good to have you with us. Thank you very much, Amy. Great to join you. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. And so in terms of your organisation, then the organisation that you lead, can you give us a bit of an overview as to what you do and what you are working towards, please? Yeah, so MGI, Modular Group Investments, it's actually a group of building product manufacturers. Um, We've grown to around 40 million turnover just in space of one year. And we're actually dedicated to creating a sustainable supply chain focused on delivering to the modular and off-site construction sectors. We've got ambitions to grow the group through further acquisitions, and we're targeting several hundred million in turnover in the next five years. Wow. So can you tell us a little bit about your customer base then? Who are your target customers at MGI? So um, uh, at MGI, the customers that we're looking for is people that's manufacturing is specifically into the off-site world. And that means off-site homes, off-site buildings, uh, or maybe even temporary buildings. Um, We're looking at supplying to them building products, which typically normally just supply to a construction site, but ideally what they need is a better service. So, for example, at Euromax, which is one of our uh, uh, companies, Mm. we manufacture and supply only business to business. So it's not just about the product, it's more about the service. So if you think about a modular home manufacturer, they're building in a factory. Factories need regular, consistent supply chains. And we're used to doing that. We've got an experience of around 70 years, um, predominantly supplying into manufacturing businesses. So we supply a lot to the holiday home and leisure industry. Mm -hmm. And they are actually manufacturing on assembly lines. So we we design products which are suitable for quick installation and simple uh, supply chain into that off-site market. We're targeting off-site homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we already supply to the likes of Ilky Homes. So it's, it's people on that larger scale on, on that basis. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also sort of looking at supplying into the commercial world. So when you think of things like uh, a McDonald's or a Costa's that's built off-site, we've yeah. got solutions for that type of product as well, including things like uh, aluminium cladding, aluminium windows, so we're looking at, first of all, doing the externals of uh, uh, buildings, but then also looking at what we can acquire as businesses to help into that supply chain. And so your role is chief executive officer, so you're the CEO of that organisation. That's correct. As a leader of that kind of organisation and that uh, at that stage in your life cycle, so you said you're going to be highly acquisitive in the future, what kind of challenges are you up against? Well, currently, uh, the biggest challenges for us is creating and keeping the right culture for our employees to develop mm-hmm. and be able to deliver overall business performance. That's really high on my agenda at the moment. 
<laughs> we've got some great teams and employees. Yeah. And as we grow as a company, the businesses need to work close together rather than being so independent. Yeah. But we want to try and keep a family feel. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to become too bureaucratic. So it's important to us that we keep an entrepreneurial spirit within yeah. the company. So it's something that's really high on the agenda at the moment. And then, of course, we've got the same issues as everybody else. So uh, labour recruitment and mm-hmm. seemingly endless material price increases. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's never ended at the minute, isn't it? Oh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> And in terms of that cultural piece, then I guess that's if you are uh, looking to acquire other organisations, it's really important that you've got that core to bolt onto, I guess. It, it is, yeah. Come into really I mean, clear culture. It is, yeah. It's, it's part of something that we've created a few roles that we've not had previously, uh, specifically around HR, which are going to be important roles for the future. Fantastic. And so we've known each other a little while now, but what we've never really talked about is your your path into leadership. So how that happened, whether it was organic or by design. So can you tell us a bit about your, your route into leadership and how it happened? Uh, yeah, it probably um, a, a little ad hoc. It was probably wasn't planned, but um, I had my first opportunity when I was 24. I'd previously been a draftsman and using a proper drawing board, for, uh, mm-hmm. first of all, before progressing onto CAD. Um, but the business that I was with had a restructuring mm-hmm. and the production facility came a lot smaller. It was part of a large group. Mm-hmm. And I put my hand up to become production manager and leading a small team of employees who were all older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked through my vision with the team and they backed me. And that business was actually really successful and it grew. We improved quality and productivity. Mm-hmm. So then another role became um, became open within the group. And I just pushed for it and put my hand up and said, look, I'd like to have another go at something else. Um, but then just through talking openly and creating a vision, mm-hmm. it became more successful. But each time I had, I took over a leadership role. So then I just kept pushing and myself to learn and also with support of my wife. She's always helped me move forwards. Yeah. Uh, but I realised I wanted to be a real leader at the top when I, after I finished my MBA, which I did 10 years ago. It made me realise I can combine all my experiences with the new knowledge that I'd gained and to lead from the very top of a business. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so you, you talked about communicating a vision and, and some other characteristics there, but do you think there are specific characteristics that every leader needs to succeed or is it case by case or what are your thoughts? I, I think it's a little bit case by case. So, um, I mean, for me, it's somebody that can articulate and make a vision come to life and develop credibility within a team and to make that team come along with them on the journey. Um, but it all depends, I think, what that journey actually is. There's mm-hmm. different types of leadership depending on yeah. what situation that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on the MBA, by the way. It's uh, it's no mean feat, is it? <laughs> it it's not, but it was absolutely uh, superb. It changed my course of my career. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the home straight. I've got a couple of months left of mine and then I'm done. And uh, I'm running away from academia for a little while. But <laughs> I, I, it, it, it is. I mean, uh, for myself, I were actually always in operations production. Mm-hmm. And once I did my MBA, first course with marketing, and it completely changed what I did. I went into the commercial world. How did that shape your career? Uh, well, for me, it was a complete game changer. I'd spent my entire uh, career working in operations, supply chain, uh, manufacturing world, which I loved, by the way. Um, doing the MBA, opened me up and realised that there was a completely different world out there. So the first module that I did was marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody kind of thinks of marketing being about nice websites, glossy brochures, yeah. etc. And it wasn't. It was talking about actual strategic marketing, how to enter into new, new territories, 
mm-hmm. um, how to um, grow business in, in different uh, contexts. And um, for me, I thought it fascinating. I went straight back to business and said, look, I want to have a go at doing something in, in commercial world. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the gentleman I referred to before, Frederick Bigstrom, gave me an opportunity and told me that we didn't do anything in the Middle East. So they basically said, okay, the Middle East is yours. Brilliant. So I ended up then um, basically using my MBA studies to create a business plan, but then execute that business plan. Brilliant. So uh, over the course of my MBA, which was over a couple of years, mm-hmm. I ended up uh, working out in the Middle East, building a distribution network, um, getting specified by people like um, uh, Aramco Oil, and it were really, really successful. And it, it really showed to me about, okay, what well, that's the real time that I've seen some real training and education that then I've actually exploited. Yeah. And it's worked exactly as it was supposed to have done. Yeah. So that was really great. And then from that point on, uh, I decided that, look, I'd had enough experience mm-hmm. in different areas. I've got uh, manufacturing, I've got commercial. That's when I then applied and took my first MD role. Um, and that was uh, a company called MCL, which mm-hmm. then uh, got sold on to a company called CRH, which most people don't know, but they own people like Tarmac. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I learned through that process, the acquisitions on being on a, a selling side and a buying side, which yeah. made it more exciting that when I've joined MGI and we're now on the acquisition trail, I've now got a skill set, which has been about acquisitions, commercial, manufacturing, and it's really brought all that together. So, the MBA, I think if anybody's considering it, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's only two years worth of hard work. It's yes. it's well worth it. It's well yeah. worth it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would agree 100%. But I think it's interesting what you say about the application because I'm maybe not, not not the right way to articulate this, but I'm almost scared about what's going to happen when I've reflected on everything and everything's settled. So yeah. I'm a couple of months off finishing mine and obviously – it's difficult to apply everything that you've learned, but I'm seeing it very much as, you know, you pass your driving test and you get out on yes. the road on your own. The instructor's no longer there and that's when you learn to drive. Yeah. I'm very much seeing it as that, it will be that kind of process once everything's settled and I've reflected on what we've learned. Yeah, I think I think it is. And so you end up, there's bits of it that resonate with you, so you keep mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've found is that it's given me like a bit like a back catalogue. Yeah. So every now and again, I'll come up with something I'm thinking, Hold on a minute. There's a oh, sorry, business decision making. So yeah. we did a course on decision making, and instead of just thinking, right, I'm going to make decision based on how I feel today. Yeah, we've actually then gone in and applied some of the techniques, gone back on my notes, seen how we how we did it before in a proper assignment, but then now applying mm-hmm. it to proper real world yeah. uh, situations. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really it's, powerful. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's fascinating. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, my wife keeps telling me that I need to do some more study, but. I, I think I'm past that. <laughs> oh, do you think? What What would be on your list if you did go back? Oh, you fancying a DBA or? No, no. I think if I were doing it, <laughs> if I were doing anything, it'd probably end up. I want, I want to know more about like psychology. Okay. About, pe- about people to understand yeah, people yeah. more on that basis. I think that'd be yeah. where I'd go to now. Fascinating. You would, yeah. That would be good. That would be good. And and so in terms of your MBA has obviously been a, an influence to you, but was there a piece of advice or another experience earlier in your career that sort of shaped your perspective on leadership or your approach? Uh, yeah, it's a great question because um, I've been thinking about about it and it's, it's not actually people that I've worked with that have given me some good insights. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen people and the way that behave, I'm thinking, 
I don't want to be like yeah. that or behave in that way. And I think those bad experiences have resonated with me more than probably some of the good experiences just to make sure I do not fall into those traits. Yeah, well, sometimes the way, isn't it? You learn more from the people that get it wrong, I found. And so thinking about someone that was maybe looking to follow in your footsteps or someone that was just about to take a step up into a leadership role, is there any advice that you would offer them? Yeah, I think it's really, really important that you've got a strong and patient support network. Um, there's some things that you can't always discuss with your colleagues, mm-hmm. but you do need an outlet. I mean, I'm extremely lucky and my wife is very, very patient and supporting, and that's where uh, my support network comes from. But I think that's something that's probably underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not my wife, the actual support. <laughs> well, I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so speaking of influencers, um, often what I'd like to understand are the leaders that have influenced you in the past. So is there anyone sort of past and present, past or present, uh, famous or otherwise, that's really had an influence on you and your style or your career? Yeah. So um, it's not anybody famous. It's a, a, an ex-boss. Uh, a gentleman called Frederick Wickstrom. Um, he joined a business where I was working at and he came in and he had immediate presence. He also had a very, very clear vision and he drove it through the organisation with passion. Mm-hmm. It's where I first saw a leader um, who I'd worked for do exactly what they set out to do. So despite all the bumps that come along on the journey, he actually made sure his vision came to life and he also allowed people to develop and it's with himself where I had my first opportunity when I finished my MBA to move from manufacturing into a commercial role. So, yeah, in him seeing somebody that actually yeah, give a vision and actually really, really deliver it, but also mm. developing his team along with him. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and do you read much? I mean, after the MBA, I would imagine you probably didn't read for a little while after that. You probably <laughs> put the books down and stayed clear. But since then, have you have you been reading either autobiographies or business books? What's been an influence to you? Because I'm always interested in what CEOs are reading. So I'm I'm quite keen on uh, uh, mental health. I think uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, this uh, pandemic has caused a lot of issues for people. Yeah. Um, I'm currently reading. Oh, sorry. I'm rereading uh, a book called The Chimp Paradox. Mm-hmm. It's by yeah. uh, Professor Steve Peters, and I've read it before, but it gives you great insight out to, in how your mind works okay. so you can kind of understand your own and other people's uh, behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, but recommendations, I mean, I, I do read biographies um, I was, of people that I always admire. I think they're fascinating. Um, I've read recently uh, Michael Caine's biography just about okay. he, how he kept going to get his first break into acting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that must be an interesting read. It is. It, it, it is a good one. I think it's yeah. called uh, uh, something to do with blow the bloody doors off. Obviously, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. I'll take a look at that because you don't. I, I often. I mean, obviously, you look at the business leaders and you look at the. Um, the, the business books and the personal development books, but those kind of autobiographies, the, there is a lot to take from them, but I, it's not an immediate go-to for me, for someone that's not in the business world directly. Yeah, I mean, I say that Michael Caine one, I thought were, uh, were fascinating because you just automatically assume he's famous mm-hmm. and he's kind of had been there all along, but yeah. the number of times he failed and yeah. just kept trying and trying, which is, it's good. And it's uh, it's like not like a self-help book, but you read that and you're thinking, do you know what, that's inspiration to be able to to carry yeah. on yourself yeah definitely 
definitely. And and so in terms of um, your organisation, what's next? What's coming up over the next six, nine, 12 months that you can share with us? Yeah, no worries. Uh, so we, first of all, we're going to be completing other acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, our growth or substantial growth is going to be through uh, acquisitions of building product manufacturers. Mm-hmm. But we're also looking at organic growth. So each of our businesses, um, we're now working out how we can work to do development of the relationships between each site. Um, we've got some customers which are very similar and that we can support each other through the different factories. Um, but we're specifically, we're going to be looking into off-site building. So you'll start to see us feeding into some of these bigger names. So we already supply people like Porter Cabin, mm-hmm. Ilka Homes uh, in, in the off-site world. And we're going to be growing in that particular area. We've met a couple of customers just this um, last week or two um, yeah. with some large volumes for the off-site world. Fantastic. That's great. And so how will your role evolve over the next six, nine, 12 months then? So I'm hopefully, well, not hopefully, I'm going to be developing so that I'm going to be more uh, strategic. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, we're trying to grow the business. And yeah. it's been really, what opportunities can we take on board and deliver? Mm-hmm. We want to be a bit more strategic. So we've now got three facilities. They're all in the same type of world of fenestration. Um, what can we do to share skills amongst them what can we do to get more synergies out of business and improve uh, profit within yeah. the business but it's all also that strategic part of it looking at right what relationships with customers do we need to build and um, what relationships with government on forums housing forums etc do we need to have yeah. and so i'll be working at that type of level trying to work more on strategic delivering growth for the business itself brilliant Fantastic, as well as everything else that you've got on your on your yes. plate. <laughs> Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, Nick, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time. You're very welcome, Amy. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to catch up.